Welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Tommy Miller. For more information about Legacy Church, please visit us online at www.legacychurchclm.org. I have the privilege of introducing a guest to you, and I always like to take half their time to introduce them. But I'm not going to do this this morning because we desperately need the impartation and the revelation that this guy has to share. So about a year and a half ago, I, uh, I, was, I was getting this revelation of the kingdom in life and the same message you guys have been hearing every Sunday, week in and week out. And I was surfing through YouTube and I, and I watched uh, Kirby Delanerol had this guest preacher on uh, that looked like, uh, oh, come on, help me. Keith Urban. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> and, uh, and he perfectly articulated the message of life. And a year and a half ago, I was like, man, that, that man has to come to Legacy to give us an impartation. And, uh, and we, we communicated back and forth, and this is the coolest story ever, and I want you all to know it. A week and a half ago, I was painting an upstairs room in my bedroom, in, our, in, in my house. And God told me, you're getting this room ready for Chris Blackby. I was like, oh, awesome. So I walked downstairs, and I'm like, honey, what if we're getting this room ready for Chris Blackby? And she's like, well, don't push it. Just if it happens, it happens. We'll, we'll, we'll put a fleece out. And I said, okay, if he says, Tommy, can I come stay with you? I know that this room was being prepared for Chris Blackby. The next morning, Shanda and I are sitting on the couch. The, the first text of the day I get, Christopher Blackby, can I come stay? I'm like, I better open this. Because you can only see the first line, right? Swipe it open. Can I come stay with you next weekend? Absolutely. There has never been such a, a moment in time as divinely orchestrated as today. I believe this. So without waiting, we're going to welcome Chris Blackby up to teach. Have your, have your ears on. Have your heart open. We're blessed. Come on up, brother. I preach without a jacket. <laughs> the anointing comes with a jacket. Hey everyone. Okay, they'll get the they'll get the levels right in a minute. It's uh, wow. Good to see you all. It's good to be in Ohio. Um, I am speaking English. It, it's true. We're separated by a common language, that's what they say about the English-speaking world. It's so good to be here, amazing to be here. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Shanda. And uh, much thanks to the church and the leadership of this church to, to have me here today. Um, if I come down here, can you all still see me and hear me? Yep, okay, great. Well, good news. <laughs> Um, my name is Chris. I'm from Australia. Um, I've just moved to America earlier this year, and I had all these plans, and as you would understand, all those plans changed, yep, quite dramatically, and now I'm driving through America. So while everyone is locked down, I'm on a road trip. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. I'm not complaining. I've seen lots of America. So I've driven from uh, Los Angeles across to Orlando, and now I'm driving from Orlando up to Detroit. 
so I'm seeing a lot of your beautiful country. Unfortunately, lots of it's on the freeway and you miss out. So yesterday I was driving here and I thought, I'm going to pull off the freeway and I'm going to see some of your beautiful countryside. I drove straight into a town called Chesapeake and it's all coal mining. And it was just mining, (laughs) big piles of coal and machinery. And so I didn't get to see uh, that beautiful area. But I would like to talk to you about uh, the gospel and to be very clear Hear about Jesus, come to Jesus, uh, know Jesus, live for Jesus, serve Jesus, love Jesus, and die for Jesus is not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus knew you, Jesus came to you, Jesus served you, Jesus lived for you, Jesus loved you, Jesus died for you, and rose again for you. That's the gospel. The gospel is good news, not good instruction. It's not good instruction, it's good news. And good instruction is good instruction, okay? Stop doing cocaine and driving is good instruction, okay? But it's not the gospel. The gospel is good news, and news is what has already been done. The gospel is a gift, it's a finished package, it's a complete package, it achieved what it sets out to do, and that was to make you holy and blameless in his sight forever. And he succeeded. You are holy and blameless in his sight forever. In fact, it's better than that. When you became a Christian, to use those terms... You didn't change belief systems. You weren't an atheist that became a Christian. You weren't an evangelical or a nominal Christian that became a born-again Christian. You weren't a Buddhist that became a Christian. You didn't change belief systems. You changed species. You were a human, and now you are a beloved son of God. You didn't become a Christian. I'm going to say this gently. I'm going to pull it back. I'm not trying to shock for shock value. But here's some truths. Christian is a term given to us by Satanists. You think where the term Christian came from. The pagans called us Christians in Antioch. Now, I'm a Christian, and Christian's a useful term, okay? And for people to understand who I am, yes, I'm a Christian, I follow Christ. But that's not what God calls me. God has never called me a Christian. And Jesus wasn't a Christian. Jesus was the beloved Son of God. And when I received Christianity, as we understand it, I didn't become a Christian. I received the very person of Jesus Christ. And he became one with me. And I am now a new creation. What exists now never existed before. I'm a new class of being. Was a human under first Adam. Now I'm a beloved son of God under second Adam. And that is my nature. And a beloved son of God 
is the righteousness of Christ. I am as righteous as Christ at all times. That's my new nature. Okay? In the same way, when you were a human, you were a human at all times. If you started, uh, started an orphanage, you're a human that started an orphanage. If you robbed a bank, you're a human that robs a bank. Now, I'm the beloved son of God. That is my being. Whatever I do with this being, I'm a beloved son of God. I'm the object of his affection, his delight, his approval. That's my nature. That's my substance, the righteousness of Christ, the spirit of Christ. So if I start an orphanage, I am the beloved son of God who is running an orphanage. If I rob a bank, it doesn't change this, the, the DNA that I am. If I rob a bank, I'm the righteous, beloved son of God robbing a bank. And I will go to jail and I'll be the righteous, beloved son of God in jail. And in jail, I'll say, Father, he'll say, yes, son, I love you. My behavior did not qualify me to be righteous and holy and loved. My behavior doesn't disqualify me from being righteous and holy and loved. When I became a Christian, I received the very person of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 1.30, from memory, says, He has become for us wisdom. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our salvation. Some say sanctification, some say other words, but it's the same effect. So, first Adam... Where's something? Can I use this book just for a second? Okay. First Adam had righteousness. This, I'm first Adam. This is my righteousness. God gave me righteousness. And first Adam gave it away. Okay? And now he doesn't have his own righteousness. Now he needs to behave a certain way to maintain a level of righteousness. When I became a Christian, God did not give me my righteousness back. He didn't give it back. What he did is he gave me the very person of Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's one spirit with the Lord, and Christ became one spirit with me. Now I'm a new being, a new class of being, not human anymore, a beloved son of God, that's what I am. Okay, And I'm this new class of being. And Christ is my righteousness. So how righteous am I? I'm as righteous as Christ. It is finished. If I start an orphanage, orphanage, or I rob a bank, does it change the righteousness of Christ? Does it change what he did 2,000 years ago and established it is finished? Does it change the fact he fulfilled the law? He was without sin? Does it change the fact that he healed the sick, raised the dead, uh, defended children, defended women, fought uh, the religious spirit, was obedient unto, unto, unto death, fought sin unto bleeding, said, forgive the, the people who are killing him at that time, said, please forgive them, Lord. If I rob a bank, does it change that? No. If I speak poorly to my spouse, does it change that? No. If I don't read the Bible for five weeks, does it change that? No. 
If I tithe 3% of my income, does it change that? If I tithe 11.5% of my income, nothing changes what Christ has done for you. Because you've received that. Nothing changes what Christ has done. You cannot diminish his perfected, finished righteousness. And that's what he gives to you. Every time you talk to God, you come with that righteousness. And this was his idea. This is exactly what he wanted. He wanted you to receive perfection, righteousness as a gift. And in 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says he gave you his righteousness and he gave you his holiness. So, how holy is God? We all know the answer, but you don't want to say the second answer. How holy is God? He's holy, holy, holy. And then he gave that to you. He is your holiness. How holy are you? You are holy, holy, holy. This is the scandal. This is the scandal of it all. When you go talk to God, you're holy, holy, holy. You can have boldness in approaching the throne room of grace. You can, be bold, you can boldly go there. You are as holy as the guy you're talking to. Because that holiness he gave to you. And it can only be received as a gift. Wages depend on your capacity to earn. Okay? But a gift depends on the nature of the giver. And this giver, God, he gave us his very substance, his very nature, his very holiness, his righteousness. He gave it to us forever. The day you believed not even when you repented. Not when you stopped smoking five packs a day. Not when you stopped speeding. Not when you forgave your mum. <laughs> whatever things, whatever. It doesn't matter when you changed. It's when you received the gift. When you said, yes, God, you are that good. You have done that for me. And God's saying, you believe I'm that good to you that I'd make you like me? I'd make you my own child, my own nature? Well, you're right. That's exactly who I am. That's exactly what I've done. And I predestined this before the foundation of the world that you be holy and blameless in my sight forever. And that's what you are. This is the wisdom of God. This is his will and his pleasure and his delight. It's his delight to make you blameless outside your behavior or even your attitude. Your attitude didn't qualify you. Your attitude doesn't disqualify you. You can get up in the morning, be very grumpy, a little disappointed. You can get up in the morning and feel like God has abandoned you and he should abandon you because what you did yesterday was terrible and it doesn't matter. And they're real emotions. I have those emotions. But it doesn't change the fact of my being that's welcome in the throne of grace at any time, welcome in heaven at all times. In fact, I'm actually there already, and so are you. This thing that we're trying to achieve, this thing we're trying to attain to, to be a great Christian, or holy, or righteous, or get to heaven, you've done it. You're raised and seated in heavenly places already. 
You've achieved your goal. Well done. In fact, the disciples asked Jesus, what do we have to do to do the works of God? Yeah? And it's a good question. And every Christian that goes to church every week is asking the pastor, what do I have to do to do the work that God requires? What makes me holy in God's sight? What makes me perfect? Or what gets my prayers answered? Or how can I be right? Or how can I make this guilty feeling go away? Or whatever you're asking. And the disciples ask God, Jesus, that very question. What do I have to do to do the work that God requires? And Jesus answers the question directly, which means it's a good question. If you ask Jesus a dumb question, he doesn't answer you. Or he asks you a different question. Okay? But this is a good question. And Jesus says, the work that God requires of you is to believe in the one whom he sent. Yes. Now, do you believe the one whom he sent? Yes. Then your work is done. You have received the righteousness of Christ. You have received the person of Christ. You have changed species. Romans 6 says, don't you know, and we don't, but don't you know that when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death? This is the mystery, the mystical mystery of Christianity. When you received Christ, it was like you were on the cross with him. But he took the whole brunt of it. And he went down, and you went down with him. And the same power that rose him from the dead rises you from the dead and gives you a new life, a resurrection life. It says that you can attain the same resurrection life of Jesus. Not Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the glorified Christ. That's what he's given us. This is the scandal of it all. In fact, as Tommy was saying before, John says, as he is, so are you now in the earth. And John saw Jesus as he is, fire in his eyes, sword in his mouth, golden girdle, whatever that is, brass feet, voice like rushing waters. You are the scariest thing in the room at any time. If you get home and your grandfather clock floats across, he goes over there, go put it back. They're scared of you. You, the devil knows, God knows there's only one person that has a question. And everything's questioning you. Are you really the son of God? If you were really the son of God, why your car? Why your bank account? Why your sore knee? Why your sore elbow? Why your relationship with your mum? If you are the son of God, but you answer with the word. I'm a son indeed. It is written. I'll be made one with Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's one spirit with the Lord. Done. Don't fight those arguments. Let the word do the work. You are at rest. If you, and he who has entered Christ's rest has ceased from his strivings and his works. Your strivings and your works are over. There's nothing you have to do to attain righteousness it has been given to you in the person of Christ that is one with you. Yes. And you can't change it. That's your gift forever. A billion years, a trillion years, the era to come, whatever. You'll always be as righteous as Christ. 
Here's a great statement. I've never met anyone more holy than me. I haven't. And I've met some amazing saints doing amazing work around the world. But they're not more holy than me. I've met people the exact same holiness as me. I'm looking at them now. If you have the righteousness of Christ, the holiness of Christ, and so do I, we are at peak holiness. You can't get it any higher. You can't get it any lower. And you have this peak holiness because the new being that you are is made out of that holiness. It's made out of the spirit of Christ. It's made out of the DNA. In fact, the same incorruptible seed that formed Jesus on the earth forms you. And two beings made out of the same seed are twins. But he's the older brother. And you'll never beat that. He was first. But outside that, everything the Bible says of Jesus, it says of you. He's a son of God. You're a son of God. He's the light of the world. You're the light of the world. What else does it say? There's lots of things about him. He's raised a seed in heavenly places. You're raised a seed in heavenly places. He is born from above. You're born from above. All authority was given to him. He gave all authority to you. The glory that was his before the foundation of the world was returned to him. He gives it to you. The Holy Spirit dwells in him. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Everything it says of him, it says of you because you're the same class of being with the same rights. The only difference is that he was first, which makes him number one. Okay? You're a priest. He's a priest. He's the high priest. Yeah? You're a king. He's a king. He's the king of kings. And the kings he's kings of is you. He's not king of Queen Elizabeth. Well, maybe he is, but I have to ask her. But next time I see her. But you're the kings he's kings of. You're a royal priesthood. (laughs) Raise the seed in heavenly places, righteous and perfect forever. Since before the foundation of the world, this was God's plan and he achieved it. You are righteous and holy and blameless in his sight forever. And that's the gift. So he qualifies you. Why would God answer your prayer? Jesus. I have mismanaged my credit card. And now I'm in debt. And now I'm in trouble. And also, I need to get my car fixed for work. Why would God possibly answer my prayer to help me out? Jesus. I've just lost my second marriage. Why? And I don't want to die alone over the next 30 years. Why would God help me and restore me and get me to a place where I can have a healthy relationship after I've destroyed two marriages, which is partly, even mostly my fault? Why would he do that? Jesus. Jesus qualifies you. If you go to God and say, I need a third marriage because it wasn't my fault and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. 
None of that stuff counts in heaven. It's not currency in heaven. I will receive a free gift from my Father who will father me into the results of this prayer. Okay, I've lost my second marriage and God's got, and I want another one. I don't want to spend the next 30 years alone. Well, God will say, Chris, there are some reasons. <laughs> I love you. This is a very safe place and I'm going to father you into a place where you can sustain and thrive in a marriage because of Jesus. Not because I tired, not because of anything. Not because I read my Bible, didn't read my Bible. Not because I got gifts, not because I evangelized. Not because I made it to the worship team. Because of Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that qualifies you. Everything else is works, which God detests. Because you're paying him in manure. Essentially, yes, for the, for the gift. So imagine, imagine you bought me a brand new Mercedes sports car. Thank you. Okay? Because you love me. You're so grateful. You just love me. You just, you just delight in me. You love me. And you thought, Chris would love this car. At a great cost to yourself, you bought a Mercedes sports car and gave it to me. You come back in a year's time and you say, how's the sports car, Chris? I say, it's great. It's in the garage, it's in the shed, haven't touched it, zero miles, perfect condition. You're like, no, 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 I bought it for you to drive. Go out and drive it. You say, yeah, but what if I scratch it? I know you will, but in buying it for you, I knew you would do these things. It's okay, and that's why I paid for the insurance. Okay, I paid for everything. Go out and drive this amazing Mercedes sports car. Right. I don't really deserve it though. Can I, can I give you something for it? No, no, it's a gift. Well, how about I give you some, um, some mud? I'll give you some mud for the Mercedes. Here, I'll get some mud. Hang on, it's going to take me a while. I'm going to work all day. <laughs> get all this mud. Here, here here's, the, here's the mud for the Mercedes. Here you go. Like, well... A, a little bit insulting. B, mud doesn't add up to Mercedes. Okay, hey, that's okay. Mud and poo and manure together. So I get some manure and some mud, mix it together, and now I've got manure and mud here. You're like, no, no, just take it. I go, no, have more manure. No, just take it. Have more manure. <laughs> this is church. In the end, you're the Mercedes person who gave me the Mercedes. It's offensive. In the end, I'm not saying something about me. I'm saying something about you. You do not have, you're not the type of person or don't have the capacity to give you a Mercedes as a gift. Yeah? And that's how God, in the end, understands it. And God is not insecure. That's how God says... That's the truth. When God said to the Israelites, you can go into Canaan and take that land. And they said, they're too big for us. We can't fight them. God said, you're not talking about you. You're talking about me because I said you could go. 
and you say, I'm the type of God that would send you in there to die, I'm the type of God that brought you to the desert to die, well then, according to your faith, the parameters you set are my goodness, you live in those, that parameters. I'm 100% good, you say I'm 10% good, then you live in that 10%. Same thing happens in the New Testament. Uh, Centurion says, you don't even have to come to my house. If you speak, he's healed. My, my servant's healed. You think I'm that good and I can do that? Yes. Then according to your faith, so be it, because I am that good. I can do it. I heard you were a hard taskmaster, so I buried my gift in the ground. I don't know if you think I'm a hard taskmaster. Well, according to your faith, live in the results. Okay? And God's saying, will you believe me for who I am? I am a loving father that has adopted you into my family, and this is my goodwill and purpose before the, before the foundation of the world. And now I've made you delightful in my sight forever. And I just delight in you. Because you are now the beloved son. The beloved son. You've changed species from a human to a son of God. But a son of God has a quality. It's beloved. And to be beloved means that you are the object of someone's affections. That's what beloved is. Someone, you're the object of their affection. In this case, for us, it's Yahweh. With the object of his affection. And how do you know you're beloved? Well, you, there's nothing you can do. You have to sit and watch. Otherwise, it's not love. It's an exchange, yeah? You can only be received. You can only be received. This is the scandal. That you have been given, you have been given divine nature. I'm just going to read from... Uh, Ephesians 1.3 here. Blessed be, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he has blessed you, past tense, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So you don't have to ask for them. They have been given to you already. Every spiritual blessing is yours. All we're doing is maturing to a place that we can express them on the earth and they don't become a trap for us. He loves us so much. We've seen ministers with big gifts. He loves us so much. But all the spiritual blessings are ours already. Just as he chose us in him before the, foundation of, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. This is the mystery. He chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy, holy and blameless in him in love. And you are. You are now holy and blameless in his sight forever and this was his plan and he knew you he knew you he chose you not humankind or people or the church 
or the ecclesia or whatever, you. He foreknew you as the individual. And he chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight forever in love. You are the beloved. And that's a gift you just receive. Don't qualify yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. Just receive the gift. Don't pay in mud. Just receive the gift. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ in himself according to the good pleasure of his will. This was his delight. This was his will. This is what I'm going to do. It was his good pleasure to have sons. And sons isn't masculine or feminine. It's a class of being. Okay? You, you're, you're God, if you're a woman, you're, like, you're God's daughter, correct? But this thing that's God's daughter, the class of being you are is called a son of God. Yep. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us and accepted, accepted in the beloved. So the praise of his glorious grace, he made us acceptable to him in the beloved. In the beloved Jesus Christ, we are in him loved. In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he has made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. This was his idea. This was his purpose. This thing I'm telling you about, it's not radical, radical new information. It's very old information. It's since before the foundation of the world. We know he predestined this before the foundation of the world because the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. He made preparations for us, this people now. As Tommy was saying, Elijah would love to be this person now. We look at Elijah and go, wow, you performed a miracle and the Holy Spirit came upon you. He's like, wow, the Holy Spirit lives in you? He wasn't a new class of being. He was a human with a power jacket. Okay? We have a power jacket. We have a power source. We have the person of Christ, the divine nature. Forever. And all we're doing is learning what this is. All we're doing is receiving this truth. You are divine. You are a son of God. You are radically different than the world. And he did this, it says, to reconcile all things in heaven and earth together under Christ. He didn't do it so you get to heaven. He didn't do it so you can escape. He didn't do it so you can put all your hope in a rapture so the world can burn and, and you get out of here. He did it so heaven and earth can be reconciled. He wants this place to be like heaven. So first Adam was a living being and second Adam, which is you, is a life-giving spirit. You've got all the spiritual blessings. You're already righteous. You're at rest. You have God's pleasure. There's nothing to prove. So now you can just give life. All this, this is the radical forgiveness you've received. Freely you've given and now you can just give life. You are a life-giving spirit. You can be like your Father in heaven who sends rain on the good and the evil, the just and the unjust. That's what you are. We have a church that's obsessed 
we're finding out who is good and who is evil, who is just and who is unjust. Look at the Facebook feeds. And that's accurate. By the knowledge of good and evil, very accurate. But you are a life-giving spirit. The people that the church is attacking right now, and rightly so by the knowledge of good and evil, you would lay your life down for. That's your nature. The Sermon on the Mount is not a list of things to attain to. The Sermon on the Mount describes you. You love your enemy. You look like, look like your dad, and he loves his enemy. You pray for those who curse you, because you look like your dad, and he prays for those who curse him. You will send rain on the good and the evil, the just and the unjust. That's who you are. This new being, that's your new nature. You love to forgive, and it's very difficult, but it is your nature. And not only do you forgive those people, as it works out in your soul, you actually desire a great life for them, a blessing for them, even if they're evil and they never, ever say thank you or accept the goodness of God because that's what God does. Evil people get marriages and children and immune systems that work and health and other things. God is good to all. And it's kindness that leads to repentance. We don't accept evil. We don't accept bad behavior. That's not loving. But we're not after judging the people. We are now life-giving spirits. Yeah? How are we going for time? Good? Five minutes. That's what you are. You're a new class of being. It's already been achieved. It's finding out what you are. In fact, everything you learn of God, you learn about you. You learn something about God, you just learn something about you. God's divinely patient. Guess what? You are divinely patient. God blesses a thousand generations. Guess what? You bless a thousand generations. The heavens can't contain him. You're in him. This is the class of being that you are forever. And while we are yet sons, what we will become, we don't know. It's getting better. This is the scandal, the amazing thing you've received by believing a free gift. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Who is he that condemns the righteous? Who can condemn the Son of God? No one. Unless they can say it about Jesus, they can't say it about you. And over time, your life and your behavior and your attitudes and your emotions begin to change because you have access to this love. You have to change before you have access. That's religion. That's the knowledge of good and evil. So I end by saying this. Paul talks to the Galatian church. Okay? And the Galatians were a very well-behaved church, a very good church, a very conscientious church. And he is furious with them because they're basing their spirituality on behavior. And he says, you foolish church, who has bewitched you? Why are you under a curse? Why are you behaving like Satan? 
Why did you receive the Holy Spirit and miracles? Because you believed? Because you behaved? It's because you believed. Now, once receiving miracles and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, by believing, why have you switched to behaving to maintain it? If Christ, if righteousness, right standing before God, could be achieved by behavior, then Christ died for nothing. He says, if anyone preaches a different gospel than this, may they be eternally condemned. Even the angel appears from heaven and says a different gospel, that righteousness is received as a free gift and maintained as a free gift. May they be eternally condemned. He is furious. The Corinthians were a very naughty church. He doesn't tell them off. Very naughty. They had gifts and healings and tongues and, and presents and all these. They were very naughty. But they didn't try and earn anything, clearly. They were getting drunk at church, worse things. Okay. But the well-behaved church got nothing except told off. Because they were being well-behaved to receive the gift. They are trying to pay for it as opposed to receiving this new nature, is being what I already am. I forgive. I'm a life-giving spirit. I'm beloved at all times. I'm clean before God. If God says I'm clean, I'm clean. Because he's the boss. He's the judge. He's the only one that knows how sin works. And the guy who knows how sin, sin works says, I removed it from you. You're clean forever. Then that's what it is. And we just receive that. We set the parameters ourselves. I say, okay, God, you say I'm clean, I'm clean. I'm walking out into today like the most holiest person in the world, and I expect you to treat me that way. And God says, yes, you get it. I love you, my beloved son. All right, let's pray. Father, we receive the free gift the one you predestined before the foundation of the world. This is your great delight. You did it in wisdom. With wisdom and prudence, you decided on this. With great pleasure, you decided on this, that these individuals, as individuals, you predestined to be one with you and then one or all one in the beloved Son. And Lord, today we receive the free gift. And all the things that qualify us, we throw away. All things that disqualify us, we throw away. And we receive it on your nature. It's dependent on your nature alone. You are the giver of a great gift, your son. And we receive him. He is our righteousness, our holiness, our sanctification. And we are one with him, the beloved son forever. Lord, teach us to receive love at rest. Amen. 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 Very good. Thank you.